you f- how the significance of, of your role in the body of Christ, that, that you've got a role to play, whatever part of the body that you are, that's, it's significant and it's important. And we need you. If I'm missing my right hand, if I'm missing my left hand, my right leg, whatever it is, if I'm missing those things, if those parts aren't there, then my body's not going to function properly. So we've been talking about how significant it is that you have a role to play, that God has created you to play a role, that you have giftings inside of you. And we talked about how God's Holy Spirit, when you get supercharged by God's Spirit, we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when you're supercharged by God's Spirit, how much more and how much stronger those giftings are and how much more, uh, more power there is behind them. And, and really, if you can just take the time to imagine we talk about all those giftings. Imagine all those giftings coming together. With God's spirit right in the center of it, powering it all up. That's amazing. That's just amazing. And I, 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 I kind of, it's kind of a, maybe not necessarily, it's kind of a crude term to use or maybe not the best term to use, but it's like, it's like when you get in God's presence, it's almost like you're like a God's presence junkie. Do you know what I'm saying? That you, you get in there and you feel God's presence and, and God's presence is so strong and it's just, you want more and you want more and you want more and you want more and, it's just, and, and it just grows and grows. And as all those giftings come together, that, that, will, that will happen and that will continue to happen and will continue to grow and, and charge on and press forward into who God has called us to be as Bradford Community Church, as a family, as individuals as a team together. Everybody understand where we're kind of going with that? And uh, it's, it's very significant. It's great for us to stand up here and say all these great and wonderful things about, you know, you should walk in your gifting, you should walk in your gifting. But if you don't know what your giftings are, that could be a problem. And, and maybe God hasn't spoken, maybe, maybe God hasn't quite given you clear direction on what those giftings are yet. Um, and, and maybe he's given you a piece of it and he's not ready to, he's kind of slowly giving it to you piece by piece so you, so you understand what that gifting is. But it's important that you find out what that is. And Pastor Shane is going to tell you just a little bit for a minute of uh, what we're going to be doing in the near future. Just want, to let, just want to let everybody know as far as our church is concerned that we want to help you understand what your gift is. And while we've been speaking, we've been trying to explain it. But So on September 18th, our Thursday night service is the Thursday night before our anniversary service. So we've decided as a church on that night that we're going to bring in uh, a guy named Jason Clue, who's a pastor, of Ma- who's a pastor at uh, Maple Community Church, and he is going to do a gifts analysis test for everybody in our congregation. So whoever wants to kind of show up and, and kind of maybe just have some more questions about that, he's going to come and lead us in a, in a way to help us understand what our giftings are. And he's done this before. He loves doing this. And so he's going to come that night at 7 o'clock. So instead of having... A service on that Thursday night. We're actually going to go through a gifts test together. And even if you can't be there, he's going to give us some information and some questions that that possibly you could do on your own. But listen, if if you want to know more about this and understand more about this, then you need to show up on that night. You need to show up on September 18th. There's some people in our church who've who've been through it before. I mean, and as a leadership team, we've gone through this gift testing, and it's been it's been amazing to help God help us to understand who we are. And so. We want that for an entire, our, our entire congregation. So I would be there. I would put September 18th on your calendar and uh, just so that you can come. And, and 
you know, take it for what it's worth, but allow God to speak to you through the opportunity to learn about your gifts. So that's September 18th. It doesn't charge. There's no cost to coming. There's not going to be any sales pitch while you're there. It's just about, you know, us learning about who we are in Jesus Christ. So September 18th, Thursday night at 7 o'clock. So there you go, setting by example. I got to put that in my calendar. I didn't have that in there yet. There, done. Um, really good, uh, a good thing to come to, and that's one of those things that you really don't want to miss. Um, and uh, well, as Pastor Shane said, as a leadership team, we did some uh, some testing and, and uh, got together, and oh my goodness. I've never laughed so much and learned so much at the same time. We had a great time. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. So, uh, Anyways, um, <clears throat> today is going to be story time. Who likes story time? All right, it's story time today. So uh, grab your coffee and proverbial coffee, whatever, and just sit there, and we're going we're gonna to work through a story today. It's a really cool one. Uh, when you're a kid, you probably hear this one a lot, and the, uh, grab it with the old uh, flannel graph, flannel board. Uh, Kelsey's way too young to even have a clue what a flannel board is. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, any... Yeah, felt, little felty things on a board, and it's, it's very spiritual. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so we're going to have a little story time today. What I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about David and Goliath. Cool story, all right? Um, before we, we really get into the story about David and Goliath, um, God ends up rejecting Saul as king. Saul does some silly things. God says, enough, enough, enough's enough, uh, and sends Samuel out on a quest to find the next king of Israel. And eventually, uh, he locates someone. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. So he's talking about David. Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. It's a different, it was a little bit different. It was a different deal back in the Old Testament, right? We have a different deal now. It's a different contract. It's a different, uh, a, a different thing. And when you see in the Bible, you, you hear some really cool stories of, of phenomenal things that happen in, in the Bible. You sometimes, a lot of times you read that God's spirit came on that person. Okay? Well, the difference, the difference we have right now is God's spirit is with us all the time. Hoorah. And when you are baptized in God's spirit, when you have God's spirit flowing through you, all over you, in you, out of you, all over, when you have that baptism, that full immersion into God's spirit, you get supercharged just like David did. Hear what I'm saying? You get supercharged just like that. So I want you to grab a pen and a paper. If you've got a pen and paper there, if you want to grab your iPhone, uh, 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 tablet, um, whatever you want, uh, offering envelope if you have to, uh, anything, I'm going to give you four things I want you to write down. And I want you to take some time to think about these things later and come and challenge me. If you feel that I've given you some bad information, come and talk to me about it. If they've given you some good information, come let me know too. But take some time to think about this. I don't want you to take this lightly and don't, you know, t- write it down. Get these points down, and we're going to talk about these things this morning, okay? 
David's giftings, what David had inside of him, what was special about David, okay? There were four things. David's heart was right. David's heart was right. Jared, you're not writing. Grab a pen. <laughs> oh, he's got, it, and he's got it in the vault. All right. David's heart was right. Next thing. David had faith in his God's omnipotent power. What's omnipotent power? Unlimited power. David had faith in God's unlimited power. Okay, next one. I believe that David had the gift of the miraculous. When we go through our giftings, there's a gift of of miracles. I believe David had a gift of the miraculous. And the reason I say that is when you look through his life as a warrior and some of the things that David took on, some of the battles that David fought, some of the things that came against David, David was not supposed to win. Those were miracles. Those battles, those victories were miracles. Okay? And I believe that he had that gift of the miraculous. Lastly, he had a gift of leadership. That's the last one, a gift of leadership. So what I want to do is I want to go through uh, 1 Samuel uh, 17, and uh, Miss Celeste is going to put that up on the board for us, and uh, on the screen, and we're going to read through that together. All right. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So you can take a picture of this. There's, a, there's two hills. One army on one side, one army on the other side, and there's a big valley in the middle between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And that was, uh, take a look at that, that was nine feet nine inches, I believe it was, close to that, nine feet nine inches, Okay. And he had a helmet of brass on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And I am reading from the wrong version in here. Can I just change that for a second? Please excuse me for a moment. Who knew an iPad doing crazy stuff, eh? (laughs) All right. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Now, there's the first problem. As far as Goliath is concerned... He figured they were servants of Saul, but who were they servants of? God. Just the Israelites had kind of forgotten a little bit about who they were. 
at the time. Choose a man and have him come down with me. Come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was a son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. Now we talked about this on Thursday. Cheese? But cheese? There's some really good cheese. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. If you want to bribe the commander of the army, you take him cheese. I guess it meant something at the time, but I don't know. I'd be thinking like a bucket of chicken wings or something. You know, you know what I'm saying? But, or, or she, or, all right. But this guy got cheese. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David took the, left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion of Gath, stepped out from his lines and showed his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now, if your name is Emma Castera, that is of, of great interest to you because she says she doesn't want to grow up because she doesn't want to pay taxes. I don't know where she got that from. Is that me or you? That She came up with that on her own. Maybe it was Auntie Suzanne and Uncle Robert. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that's, that's it. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, you can kind of see, we're going to get into it in a minute here, you can kind of see some people would think, well, that's just a punk, arrogant kid who's just talking and chatting up and, and just kind of being obnoxious. What does he know? You know, David's saying, who is this guy? Who is this guy who's defying the armies of Israel? Who is this guy that's defying God? He wasn't asking like a punk kid. He was asking because he knew who he was. He knew who God was. He wasn't afraid of this guy. He didn't know any different. You know, sometimes when you tell young kids things, they just believe you. 
you know, just have blind faith in what you tell them. And, and you know, as they get older and older, they start really thinking about, well, maybe, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe that doesn't make sense. And, you know, they, and, and sometimes your faith starts kind of getting weaker, maybe not as blind faith as, as, you, as it was when you were younger. David wasn't being arrogant. David was saying, who is this guy? God is God, and we're God's people, and that's the end of it. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart in account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Pastor Shane and I were talking in the car the other night, and what did you say that if you were, uh, you were considered uh, an adult when you hit, what, 13? So, basically, he's not 13 yet. 13-ish, or younger, okay? David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So, the cottage this summer, we had a little visitor. It was a bar. We had this cute little bar come and visit us. He's about this big. A uh, little black bear. And, uh, oh, bigger. Yeah, wait, it's coming. Don't worry, I'm telling the story. Okay? Tough girl. So, anyways, the Kelsey was like, Anyways, this this little bear, okay? And he'd come walking around the cottage, and he was kind of looking for food, and he was going to our garbage can, and he, he walked around for a little while, and Heidi was out in the porch, you know, boo, 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 you know, you know, like cute little bear, and, you know, whatever, and the bear's just walking around, completely ignoring her, and uh, walked around the bunkie. Jordan and Daphne, the great white protector, were sleeping out cold in the bunkie, not even a bark from Daphne, Okay? She's a great dog, an absolute sweetheart, but the absolute most useless guard dog on the planet. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Bear was with us for about an hour. We got some great pictures and some little videos, and I can show you videos, and you can hear Heidi in the background. Hey, little Bear, beep, 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 you know. Uh, anyways, I have those. So the bear takes off. The bear comes back a couple days later, and we had uh, Kelsey and Brandon with us. And this was great entertainment. Brandon and I absolutely loved this. This was fantastic. You know what I'm saying, right? So Kelsey and Brandon walk out to the end of the driveway. Or Kelsey and Brandon, sorry. Kelsey and Heidi walk out to the end of the driveway to go see this little bear that was just in the woods off the end of the driveway. Probably from me to uh, the cute guy in the back and Celeste. Okay, about that far away. Anyways, as they're staying there at the end of the driveway, the bear goes... <laughs> Kelsey and Heidi, ah! 
they took the time. No, no, no. This is, this is, this is, I'm trying to scream, okay? Keep laughing because it's funny. Okay, Brandon and I are watching this. They took the time to grab each other's hand and run down the driveway together away from this big scary bear, you know. Great entertainment. You should have been there. It was good, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can come sleep at our place tonight in the basement. I'll be out there. I'll be in the basement probably at this point. So, anyways, <laughs> your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. So in the flannel graph, Kelsey, there's a little, little David, or, you know, there was uh, Saul, and he had his armor on. It was a, a picture of a man, you know, stuck to the board. And then he has little pieces of armor, and he stuck them on, on Saul, okay, and they fit. David's a little tiny guy. So then when he took the pieces of armor off there and put it on the little tiny guy, they didn't fit well. And it looked kind of funny and clunky, and you kind of get the idea he wasn't really, wasn't really fit for him. David's a little tiny guy. So David says, no, I can't do this. Can't wear this. I'm not used to it. It's no good. It doesn't work. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with, with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine. Now remember back before this, we talked about how God, God's Holy Spirit came on him. This is Holy Spirit speaking through little David to big Goliath. Okay? You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands." How about boldness? As you know and you learn and you find out who you are and the giftings that are inside of you, as you take the time to read God's word, what happens when you read God's word? Your faith builds up. You learn more about who you are. You learn more about who God is. And your faith starts to grow and it starts to bubble up. And when faith starts to bubble up, faith produces boldness. And that's what happened with David there. David got bold because he knew who his God was. He had faith in God's unlimited power. He knew, he knew, he knew. And he had the right heart. He says, I'm going to take you down. And he spoke with confidence because of that faith that he had because he knew who he was and he knew who God was. 
As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, get this, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. He ran. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, with a sword in his, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over, stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. So let's go back and talk about, uh, I want to actually fit something in here for a second. Um, back to the bear story. So when the bear showed up the second time, the bear came and grabbed my garbage can. It's fu- it is funny. You can laugh. It's okay. The, gra- the bear came and grabbed my garbage can and took off and ran into the woods with my garbage, my garbage can. I want my can back. So, uh, no um, uh, M&R people in here, Ministry of Natural Environment. <laughs> I hope not. Okay, shut off the tape, Ivan. <laughs> Can't, oh. Anyways, I wanted my, I wanted my can, garbage can back, and I, I really, I didn't want to hurt the bear. I just wanted my garbage can back. And he was starting to get, you know, he, he, he was starting to get comfortable. So, I went into the, the closet, and I pulled out, Jordan's got this uh, uh, pellet gun, like a nice one with a, like a scope on it and everything. And so, I get this thing, I load it all up, and the bear's got my garbage can. So, I line up the shot, and I pull the trigger. And the bear, you, you stop talking right now. <laughs> You doubter, wait, it's, you, you, you two, Krista, get out of there. Those two should be sitting together, okay? So, one shot, one, exactly, one shot, one kill. Did you hit it? This is what Heidi asked me, did you hit it? I was so annoyed. Do you think I would have taken a shot if I wasn't going to hit it for crying out loud? Like, you shoot, you hit it. If you're not going to hit it, you don't take the shot. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got two hunters right here, right? If, you're, if you think you're going to miss... You don't shoot. It's simple. So Heidi said, did you hit it? I must say that I was annoyed. I'm a highly trained proficientist, proficient uh, shooter guy. Proficientist, highly trained, proficientist, gunnist guy. Hey, there's the one for the week. So anyways... Did I hit it? Honestly, I was completely annoyed that she asked that question. But you know what? If David had really told anybody what he was doing, they would have held his funeral for him before he even walked out in the battle lines. David could have went to his own funeral. And David gets his his stones and his slingshot, little David, against big Goliath, and he got out there, and not only did he stand there, he didn't stand there, actually, he didn't walk, he ran towards Goliath with his slingshot in hand, and he shot the rock, the stone, at Goliath, sunk it into his forehead. Do you think if you'd asked him before that shot, hey, do you think you're going to hit him? 
David would have been annoyed. For crying out loud, of course I'm going to hit him. I'm taking a shot, and I'm going to hit him. If I'm not going to, he was proficientist, okay? Of course I'm going to hit him. I wouldn't take the shot. Do you think David would have ran at Goliath if he didn't know that he knew 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 that he was going to hit him? Do you think he would have done it? No. That would be silly. David knew. What's interesting is, Miss um, Celeste has got this great poster she's going to put up on the board there. And uh, Brandon, you're going to love this one. Okay, Here it is. Rules for a gunfight. Bring a gun. Preferably bring at least two guns. And bring all of your friends who have guns. That's the rules of a gunfight. That's what we have in our training room in Aurora. It's, it's, it's right there. And I mean, how true is that? If you're going to a gunfight, you bring a gun. Grab a couple. Hey, if you got some buddies, grab your buddies with guns. Bring them all. David went to a sword fight with a slingshot. Because he knew he had faith in God's unlimited power. That that stone would be supercharged by God's spirit because God's spirit was on him. He knew that that stone was going to take down Goliath. Hoorah. So we had those four points. I just want to go over those really quick with you. His heart was right. Okay, Acts 13.22 says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What does that mean? He will do everything I want him to do. David would do everything that God wanted him to do. His heart was right. That's what that means. Do you want me to tell you? I'm going to tell you right now the secret to coaching a successful hockey team. Okay? Here it is right here. You want to know the secret to coaching a successful hockey team? You stack your team. You yell at the refs. Who? That wasn't me. That was Bill. That was Bill that did that. <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, anyways, but there's step number one. If you want to coach a successful hockey team, you stack your team. Okay? Now, you could grab all the superstars, you could grab all the, the, you know, the kids that can skate from one end of the ice to the other end of the ice with the puck, make the shot, whatever. I, I'm sorry, I don't want them. You can have every last one of them. I pick my hockey team. And the way I pick my hockey team is I pick the team with the players where their hearts are right. And they'll do what I ask them to do. That's what I want, because they'll play together like a team. If I ask them to play like a team, they will. Superstars don't necessarily listen all the time. But I stack my team. I have lots of great players that have played for me over the years. Mad Dog, uh, Suzanne's brother, was definitely one of my favorites. I probably mentioned him a few times. If I needed somebody taken care of out in the ice, I'd open the door. Mad Dog, go flatten that guy. He'd go out and flatten him. Okay, coach. That was it. I can work with players like that. Lizzie was here back a couple months ago. Lizzie, if I asked her, I said, Lizzie, go stand in front of that goalie on your head. How long, coach? Those are the kind of players that I can work with because their heart's right. God was stacking his team with David. 
There were lots of other people that Samuel looked at. Well, this, maybe this is him. Oh, this guy looks really good. He's, he's a nice-looking guy, or he looks sharp, or he looks tough. Nope, 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 nope. I want David. The last one of the brothers. The unlikely one. Because his heart was right. His heart was right. Next thing. Faith. We talked about David's faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many of you are Christians? You have faith. You have faith. You got somewhere to start. You got a stepping point. You got a starting point. You've got faith in believing that Jesus died for you. How many of you were there when he died on the cross? Right? We weren't there. But we have faith and we know that we know that we know that he was the son of God. And it's faith. And David had faith in God. He had faith in God's unlimited power. And, and what happened? You know, David didn't go up against this Philistine with the, with the sword and with the spear and, and the shield and this whole army. David basically stood in front of this guy and told him what was going to happen. And all this army that was behind him, David had enough guts and courage to do that. But David didn't start there. That wasn't David's first big battle or his first big uh, event in the, or, or a point in the miraculous. Because that was a miracle that, that that stone struck Goliath and knocked him down. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't the first one. He took down a bear. He's not supposed to win that fight. He's supposed to grab the hand of the person next to him and run screaming away from it, right? Forget about the bear, okay? So the bear may be not such a big deal. How about a lion? Is David supposed to beat a lion? No, he's not. He wasn't supposed to win that. And it's like he was working up, he was growing in his giftings as he was learning and growing and taking his giftings out and using them. And Ron, uh, Ron Pierce, when he was, he was with us doing a, a talk about revelations, a term he used was practice. You see practice in the Bible a lot. And practice isn't just, uh, a practice is, is using it and practicing it. It's not just doing it. It's working on it. It's developing it. It's growing it. And whatever those giftings are inside of you, if you've got a gifting of the prophetic, let's say, do you really think that God's going to you know, have you stand and give a prophetic message in front of the country of Canada and the Prime Minister of Canada or, or the President of the United States as your first act of functioning in the prophetic? I don't really think that's going to happen. God's going to tell you, I want you to go tell them I love them. Or God's going to ask you, tell you to say something encouraging to somebody and start working in that prophetic gifting slowly and surely. If you're an evangelist, I don't really think that you're going to be standing in uh, uh, the Air Canada Center in front of 50,000 people telling them about the salvation message and the gospel message the very first time that you tell people about Jesus. God's going to say, hey, I want you to go tell them I love them. Go tell them about me. I want you to go over to these couple people here and tell them about my love. Tell them about salvation. And as you practice it, as you get proficientus, what was the word? 
Yeah, I know. We have to go back on the tape for that. Uh, As you do that, as you get into it, as you practice it, you get better and you get better and you get better. And as you read God's word, you learn more and you learn more and you fill yourself up to a point where you can stand in front of Goliath and you can say, no, you're going down. I'm taking you down because I'm not coming against you with sword and spear and shield. I'm coming against you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Almighty God, and you are going to fall. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So we were talking about the gift of the miraculous. That was the next one on the list. And the gift of the miraculous, it was just like that poster. You, you, you go to a gunfight with guns. David did not do that. He went to a sword fight with the slingshot. That was a miracle. That was an absolute miracle that that happened. It shouldn't have gone that way. It shouldn't have happened. What a shot. Honestly, that is like a one in a gazillion, bazillion shot. Think about all that armor that that Goliath had on, all this equipment that he had on, and the stone found the spot. And not only did it find the spot, it sunk in to the spot and took him down. That That was a miracle. That was a miracle. And Israel all that time had been afraid of this guy and this army and kept backing down from every time they got challenged. But then what happens, you read on, the Israelites then pursued them. And the good guys won. That was a miracle. You look through some of those battles that David got involved with in, in where, where they won, he shouldn't have won. They weren't supposed to win. Those were miracles. You challenge me. I, you, can tell, you can tell me I'm wrong, and if you, you want to come and talk to me about it, I'm, I'm good with that. Come and talk to me. But I, I, that's what I believe, that they were miracles. Last one was the gift of leadership. We're almost done. The gift of leadership. Let me tell you the definition of a leader. What a leader is. Who a leader is. People follow them just because. A leader is someone people follow just because. Just because you've got a couple extra stripes or crowns on your shoulder, or just because you've got manager in front of your name, or just because you've got team leader in front of your name, whatever your job description is, what have you, that does not make you a good leader. You can see who the leaders are because people just follow them just because. If they have to tell you that they're in charge, that's not a leader. Someone has to tell you, yeah, I'm in charge. Yeah, I'm in charge here. Yeah, I'm in charge here. Well, I can pretty much tell you that it sure doesn't look like they are because they've got to tell everybody they're in charge. They're not in charge. They're not a good leader. Maybe entitled they're in charge, but they're not a great leader. People follow David just because. People follow David just because. Why do you think 
that God gave David the gifts of the miraculous and leadership. Why do you think that God gave David those gifts of the miraculous and leadership? Why did God throw the ball to David? Why did God throw the ball to David? Simply because his heart was right and he had faith in God's omnipotent power, unlimited power. That's it. God was stacking his team with David for the simple reason that God had or that David had the right heart, that he would do what God asked him to do. And then he had believed that he believed in God's power. That's it. That's it. Two things that God requires. Two things that God requires. And God passed the ball to David. God passes you the ball. What are you going to do? passes you the ball is because he thinks you can score. Because he believes in you. He believes in the giftings he's put inside of you. He's believed in the giftings he's put inside of me. And so each and, each and every one of us have those giftings that God has put inside of us. And he passes you the ball because he thinks you can score. You don't pass the ball to someone you think isn't going to score it. pass the puck to someone you know is going to miss the net. You know that they're going to they're going to miss the shot or they're going to give the puck away. You don't pass to them. Jesus passes us the ball because he actually believes that you're going to score, that you're going to win with what he's given you. And make no mistake, church, each of us have a stone, a gift that God has given us to throw at the enemy. And so often we look at this stone that God has given us compared to what we think is like armor, swords, spearheads that weigh 15 pounds, suits of armor that weigh 125 pounds. We look at our little gift, we look at our little stone and we think to ourselves, what is this compared to that? your little stone because of the, the gift that God has given you and each of us, he has given us this stone, this gift that we need to fling in confidence knowing that God has given me this gift and the reason he did is because he thinks that I can use it to do something great for him God absolutely believes what he has given you is enough in his power to change the course of hundreds of people's lives. Listen, David was a 
13-year-old kid with a slingshot. And he changed the very course of the battle. The Philistines were coming up against the people of Israel because they wanted to destroy Israel. They wanted to come against God and what all that he stood for. And here comes David, the kid who's bringing cheese. changed the course of the battle and brought victory not just to himself but a whole nation of people church he passes you the ball he gives you the stone because he thinks that you can win he thinks that you can destroy the enemy he thinks that you can do extraordinary things for him I encourage you about yourself, learn about your gifts because I believe he wants to do something extraordinary through you and I know that God does for sure so be encouraged today he believes in you, he believes in the gifts that he's put inside of you would you just stand with me today would everyone just stand challenge you to do something that's just a little bit symbolic I'm not going to ask you to even do it in this moment but we have a, we have a side parking lot over here and it's full of stones I'm going to challenge you that after the service that you would go down there and pick up one of those stones in faith and say God has equipped me for victory God has equipped me for victory. And this stone is a symbol of my faith and my heart and my gifts in the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to change the course of the future. I'm leaving that up to you, but I want you to know, I'm challenging you, go pick up a stone. Believe that God has empowered you do something great for him I know that doesn't sound like a regular altar call or a regular prayer service but I'm telling you you're going to think to yourself oh that seems so silly I don't know if I'm going to do that that seems ridiculous I challenge you to do it and as you do I believe that faith will rise up in you you'll be reminded of this moment and say Father, I just pray for us today. God, I just believe for all the things, God, that you've spoken to us about. God, I believe that we are a room full of Davids. That if we can, if we can love God with all of our heart, if we can be connected with you with our hearts, Lord Jesus, if we, God, can believe and we can have faith enough to believe that you want to use us to bring victory to the people around us. God, if we're willing to use the gifts that we have, in order to impact the people around us. God, I believe that you're going to do extraordinary things in us and through us to impact the world around us. 
Father, as we go today, may we be full of faith. May we be full of your spirit, ready to be used by you to bring victory to the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.